0: everyone, it's the Life of Jam live video podcast. You're watching season three, episode one. And we have a really huge treat tonight. We have Estela Gonzalez, author of the amazing novel, Arribada. And if I say that wrong, please correct me when you come in. I'm going to read her bio and then she's going to read an excerpt and then we're going to get into the interview. So welcome, Estela. Okay. Transnational novelist Estela Gonzalez writes about the lives of the liminal and the vulnerable, sea turtles, monarch butterflies, LGBT persons, and Latinx immigrants. Her debut novel, please pick this up, the link is in the comments, has been called by Kirkus in its starred review as a suspenseful but tender tale that exemplifies the power of intersectionality. Themes of environmental justice, queer love, and indigenous rights intersect in González's mystery. What a review, right? Not only that, but her fiction has appeared in English and or Spanish in Barcelona Review, Best of scolsis Latino Book Review, Flash Frontier, Feminine Rising, amongst others. Estella is joining us from Maziclan, where she spends much of her time as possible. Her other home is in the States, in Vermont, where she teaches Latin American literature at Middlebury College. She is currently finishing a novel, a historical novel, about Maziclan gay ghosts. Woo, woo, that's right about my alley goth. Okay, welcome, Estella. I'm bringing you in. Hold on, let me unmute you.
1: Thank you so much. I I am so excited. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. I am just so happy to be here. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah.
0: So I'm holding up uh, your book, Arribada. Did I say that right?
1: Arribada, yes. Arribada.
0: And then you also have a Spanish version of the book, if you want to hold
1: that up. I've got it right here. And you can see that uh, the covers uh, have a lot of similarities. They are designed by the same person. And the same person is my wife. <laughs> oh, shout out to wifey. Yeah. Shout out to Ariad. Yeah. So, so I'm super excited about both of them, of course. Yeah.
0: Great. Great. So I'd love you to read a portion so okay. people can kind of get a sense of your, of your voice. I'll put the camera just on you. You read about five to six, seven minutes, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back in for the interview.
1: So I'm going to mute my. Sounds good. Okay. So I'm going to read the preface. First, and then I'm gonna read another section for later. And so the preface is, um, it's a take on a legend, a legend of the Concac people in Northern Sonora. So it's a, a native uh, Mexican um, people in Northern, Northern Sonora. Don't worry about the foreign, foreign words. All because the sea ate the beach, hundreds of meters of sand in all directions, warmth of talc- talcum powder, between our toes, where we dug ourselves up to our necks, played war, climbed on black cliffs and dove from them, where we rode the waves, our parents unaware, to where our feet could no longer reach. The sea rocked us, it held and sustained us. The sea was always there. But one day, the machines arrived. They drove piles and built walls dressed in hibiscus and bougainvillea. They erected towers, dug pools bluer than the ocean blue. They named Hotel Careyes after the last Hawksville turtle nesting on its beaches. The paradise of delight was open to all. Who could pay? Everyone smiled and dispersed pictures of the nation's heroes on little papers. And the sea churned. It bellowed its ire at the stone that was not stone, the glued-up gravel. It licked the cement. It spat at the walls, spewed insults of seaweed and jellyfish. It rose and climbed, ate a centimeter of beach. The next year, one more. Erosion pronounced the solemn engineers rushing to reinforce the levees. The sea hurled waves. It invaded the lobbies of luxury hotels. Its irate hurricanes inundated the polished floors, stole Persian rugs. When it shattered the windows of jewelry stores, rivers of pearl and coral returned to sea. The wind kidnapped dogs from the laps of distinguished ladies who, de donde nos visitan. Such was the clamor in the paradise that was Carelles Hotel and Resort. Until one day, exhausted from holding tons of steel and cement, the sand renounced her destiny as blonde atlas, abandoned herself to the depths, and let the great blue sea cover her. Under it all, sea and sand remembered that before time was time, she, the enormous, had been alone, round, weeping her blue solitude. The sands returned also sat in Musnipol, the oldest turtle in the world. Because in the beginning only she, Laud, had pitied the great blue, old Musnipol with seven lute strings on her leather back, the lone mariner who in the beginning had descended to the depths and murmured distant songs into the great blue's ear. The leather bag promised the sea a companion, firm and joyful, sunny and sweet, She took a clump of sand and carried it to the surface. She took another clump, and another. Clumps created mounds, hills, mountains. That is how Mother Musnipol presented the great blue with a warm companion to caress with her waves. She gave us a home where we could walk, climb, and dwell. She gave us earth, but we broke her, and earth returned to sea. So that is the beginning of the novel. and Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) It's so lyrical. It's so beautiful. I love your work. I love the way you set this book up. Thank Um, you. It's it's a very beautiful, profound book. It's so deep. It has much to say about where we are right now, even though it's set in the past. Talk a little bit about... um, place and how wonderful and how you crafted this and where the seeds of this novel began you're transnational you live in two places did that play into it
1: yeah yeah i mean um very very much so i think that for me mazatlan is uh like a second home you know so i live in the states but i am not from here i am in mazatlan right now as i said as you said before but i am from guadalajara so just Mm. you know um you know six hour drive from south from here, and um, my dad is from here. So my my family, my paternal family, is from here. And we used to come here several times a year for vacations. You know, like so. You know, I just grew up, and, and this was my second home. Visiting the families and relatives and stuff like that, and enjoying the beautiful place that this is. Um, and then, of course, I stopped doing that because I went to study abroad as a as a student and. Um, And I did my Ph.D. in the United States. And so it was like a long absence of 12 or 14 years, something like that. And so when I was a young professor,
0: almost like your protagonist, Mariana, no?
1: A little bit. Yeah, Uh exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of me and and my family in the book. And so that's one of them. And and so, you know, I came back um, just on vacation, just not, not like her because she has other reasons to come back than a vacation. And so I'm like, I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm going to show my, my ex back then, my, my, my husband back then. I'm going to show you this beautiful place and the lovely mansions and stuff like that. And so we went to the downtown, which was not a, called a historic center back then. And uh, it was falling apart. It was awful. I, was, I felt so terrible. And so, you know, that was not a happy thing. And then the others, of course, we went to the beach and some of the beaches were really degraded, you know, like much narrower. And it was just really, really sad that people had just neglected these beautiful things that they have. And so that was, mm. um, that was a very sad thing for me. And so that was one of the things that made me, you know, I just started to, I just really wanted to tell these stories, you know? So that was really important for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: I, I see that in that, the, the idea yeah. of developing and tourism, but then there's also this sense of disarray and disrepair uh, for the local community. Uh And we put up these walls in these, you know, resorts and stuff. And I loved how your book um, talks about that. And it all starts with the protagonist, Mariana, who's coming home to her hometown in Mexico because her brother is missing. And she's seeing this devastation. Talk about how you, found this character because she's not you she may have aspects of you mm-hmm. she's was born in mexico and then goes to juilliard and becomes yes. pretty much a famous pianist that is touring mm-hmm. the world
1: yeah exactly and then she has to stop all that because her husband her her, her uncle is missing
0: yeah her um, uncle sorry
1: yeah Yeah. no I, it's me you know because i said husband i don't know why. Yeah. um so I came up with this character because uh, I don't know—I uh, don't know one single person who is just like her. But it's—it's it's kind of like a like a composite of many people that I know. One of them is my aunt, who was just beautiful and charming, and she was a great piano player, and so so there's a lot of her in that, and there's also a lot of me, you know, with like mm-hmm. her expectations and her values are kind of like mine, you know. So she does. She does represent me a bit in 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 her wishes, you know, and in, in the things that she would prefer to have in 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 her town. So um, it's it's a composite, you know. And I'll, actually, lots of the characters are composites. The only one who is not a composite, who is kind of like just taken from reality, is the uncle, the yeah. uncle who goes missing. So he is he even has the name of of my uncle. So he was my I'm- uncle who disappeared. And uh, he's the one who, who shows up. And, and I think I did it that way because since he disappeared, I wanted to bring him back.
0: Mm. You know,
1: so I didn't want to put things into him that didn't belong with my uncle. So it's him. It's It's him. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: really interesting because, you yeah. know, I wrote my dad's my book in many ways to bring my dad back to the page and I always think of the literal and the figurative Mm -hmm. rebirth of someone that you're trying to trying to capture them and and this idea of capturing your uncle who goes missing by creating this character in a novel who goes Mm -hmm. missing exactly yeah and then I I don't want to give anything away but a lot of this book is a mystery there's many mysteries and secrets yeah and um and so that is a huge part of it. But I also want to talk about the love story aspect, which was yes. my favorite part of this book, was the love story between uh, Mariana and Fernanda. Uh, Mariana, they met when they were young kids. Uh, Mariana is blonde and Fernanda is um, indigenous.
1: Exactly. And,
0: it's the love story that's so beautiful, how much they fall into each other and, and fall back in love. Yes. But that love story also exposes the homophobia, the bigotry, the yes. color dynamics, the class distinctions between them, the exactly. racism. Yeah. Was that one of your goals was to highlight all those issues? Because it's not like this is a, this is a political novel, but the love story is very apolitical in the sense that it's about the love story. It's exactly. not really about the other. The other stuff right yeah
1: yeah you know so I, yeah I think you have really just nailed it because I think that you know so Mariana falls in love with her you know childhood friend and, you know they fall in love together and they're like just you know we just want to be together and that's it you know so they're yeah. completely innocent they have no other expectations than just to be able to be together but the whole world around them are not like so happy about it right and so there's yeah. a, there's a lot of uh forces social forces around them that that are just are, are kind of like dangerous for them. Oh yeah. You know? So and well, some of them are, are dangerous, and some of them are simply hostile, right? So like hostility comes from the mom, and you know she's she's very old fashioned, and you know you know so she has all these hopes. Uh, placed into Mariana, who is this beautiful blonde girl. And, you know, she should, you know, she's a piano player and she's very successful. And so now the only thing she needs to put the cherry on top of the cake is to marry a good guy. Right. And so, you know, she's very old fashioned. And so what does she do? You know, so she falls in love with a girl and she's, you know, a native Mexican, you know, so she's very, very dark. And so, you know, there's this colorism and racism and classism and all these things. Um, And it doesn't matter that Fernanda has a Ph.D., right? Right, I it's was like just, screaming at
0: the people, like, "What? What is this?" Like, exactly.
1: Yeah. No, no, it doesn't matter. You know, she's she's much more successful and better educated right. than most people in the book, but you know, for, to to them, is you know, she's dark. You know, yeah, and it's terrible. Yeah. So, so you know, Mariana's like, you just leave us alone, right? And and yeah. uh, but no, they won't leave them alone. And so and so there's there's danger, you know, because yeah. of that. You know, some people use this fact that they are together. To threaten them, so I right. will not. <laughs> I would not spoil it, but but uh, that's part of the the dangers that they encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that
0: idea of their innocence and that this is just love. And like, they're not going into it going, we're making a statement by doing this. They're just so much, they're so in love. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, leave us alone, you know, we're happy. (laughs) Let us happy. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, the story is also a lot about family dynamics and secrets.
1: Exactly. So
0: I know a lot of, some of this stuff is autobiographical. You know, sometimes it's very hard to write this true stuff. And yeah. It's the most powerful. Yeah. We have to write it. I mean, that's probably what drove you to write this book is mm-hmm. some of those secrets or whatever. But mm-hmm. how hard was that? Was it because it's not memoir, but in some ways you're tapping into that memoir sense where you have to relive these memories.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are stories that I have heard from people that I know. So they're mm-hmm. not necessarily my experience. Right. Uh, but they are uh, experiences lived by people that I know, and so I just put them together into this story, and so, uh, yeah, that's really, really hard. I mean, like, there's all kinds of crazy things that happen to young girls uh, that, you know, shouldn't be happening to them, and these are things that I know uh, that have happened to people that I know, Uh, so, you know, it's just really terrible, and so basically, uh, I, I do that. I tend to do that. I tend to just collect the stories that I hear. I'm a, I'm a, you know, as much as I'm a very voracious reader, I'm also a voracious listener of stories, you know, because, you know, Mexican people are such, um, gossips frankly you know right. so that you know we just love telling each other you know all the things you know did you hear what happened to him well this <laughs> is, is what happened him. to them right you know like oh you know and then instead of doing this they did that can you believe it and you know there's a lot of that
0: <laughs> no my <laughs> so, mom's all about the she's me it's all about always gossiping about something. right yeah, story, so, yeah you know
1: and i think it's a it, i think it's a talent i think that people do that and it's a way to to transmit knowledge you know i i really believe that you know, so you know, literature is one of them, but you know, oral uh, storytelling is another one. And so, you know, I just grab all these things that I hear and and put them together, uh, try to make sense of them as as one piece, you know, as one book. And so that's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, interesting. Know, yeah. What does your family think about the novel? <laughs> you know, I've been waiting for them to like, you know, to you know, for the second shoe to drop. You know, it's like when are they going to tell me something? They don't. All they mm. do is like, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so proud of you. Oh. And that's it. <laughs> that's all they say. That's yeah, cool. it's, it's really, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just counting my blessings, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's probably easier that it's uh fiction. It's classified yeah. as fiction. You might've exactly. put, you know, your uncle in there, but yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff is fiction. Exactly. Um, let's talk about what, I find the most interesting in the way you did this is the way that you wrote an English version and a Spanish version. Yes. (laughs) Tell my audience about what you ended up doing with that, because I think you took a pretty novel approach.
1: The books are not identical. It's not a translation, right? Not at all. Yeah. No. So, what happened was, you know, so I'm in Vermont, you know, doing my job, you know, I'm a teacher at a college, you know, so I'm, you know, teaching. But I, of course, I'm interested in writing and I've been writing for a while. But most of my literary friends were American, were there in Vermont. And so they're like, I want to read what you are writing. You know, would you share it? And I'm like, "Okay." So then I started writing in English because of that. Oh, so uh, it started
0: in Spanish.
1: Yes, I started in Spanish, right? So I'm just writing in Spanish, doing my thing. And they they asked for something in English. And I'm like, "Okay." so I guess I should translate. And so I started translating a chapter or two and very soon i'm like no this is just not working you know like how am i going to make them understand what i'm trying to say they've never been there you know they no and so i started changing lots of things the approach the the references the cultural references the even the the metaphors i changed them a bit and and so i started using puns in english or mm. or you know games with words or you know you know, like literary devices in English that didn't didn't come from Spanish at all. And so the Spanish ones were on, on, on this version and the English ones were in this other version. And they were not the same at all. Wow. So, you know, yeah. So a translator would say, no, no, I think you're making mistakes here. And like, yeah, OK, they can say whatever they want. But that's what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> I love that idea because yes. it goes. We talked a little bit about this in the green room. It goes to that idea of audience. Yeah. And who are you writing for? Exactly. And I love that Luminaria is in Spanish. It's it's aimed at that audience. And someone from here could also read it in Spanish if they speak Spanish. And that would I think it'd be a cool exercise to read both. Yeah. Compare them side by side and kind of get different versions of the same story. Exactly. We have Victoria Waddle here, who's a librarian and uh victoria you would love this book uh she said write what you know and what you imagine um uh victoria would love this book uh love this book so yes
1: i hope so i hope you read it victoria yeah you know and uh you know and to, to me ideally you know if people could read it in both both versions and then tell me what they think i i would love that i would be so curious i think so far nobody has done that at least that i know of uh and so I'm still waiting. And I was like, guys, uh, yeah. so, you know, my, because I teach Spanish, you know, at the college. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm kind of hoping, you know, my students could do that if they wanted. you know, they can read in English yeah. and in Spanish. And so, so hopefully one of them will do that. <laughs>
0: what did your publisher think of that? Like,
1: did you go into it telling
0: them, look, I want to do two versions of the book, uh, your publishers, uh, Kenron Press, mm-hmm. uh, what did they say when you brought forth that idea? Were they supportive? Did it take some coaxing?
1: No, I mean, I just told them, you know, when we were working on the contract, I said, look, you know, I, I can't give you the rights uh, for for all the languages, you know, like, can I give you all the foreign mm-hmm. rights? Because I'm going to publish it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be OK? And they're like, oh, tell me more about that. They were super excited. You know, they were like interested and like, sure, let's write the contract the way the way you want it. But tell me more. You know, so it was really so awesome. And she has always been super supportive. I love her. Holly Monty of uh, Kindred and Bless.
0: Tell us about the road to publication. We have a lot of people that uh, watch our podcasts that are published, unpublished, writers that are looking for publishers, looking for presses that are, you and I talked in the green room about how hard, neither, I didn't find an agent, you went without an agent and we both found presses. You can do it. Small presses exist. Oh, of course. Oh, Independent yeah. presses exist for that reason. Tell, tell everyone about how that kind of long road. It took you many years. You have your MFA. You're a professor. Yes. Like yes. you have all these accolades behind you. Super, you know, and then you write this beautiful book and then yes. you're trying to find someone to publish it. How'd that yeah. go?
1: oh it 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 went very poorly for a long time. It was crazy, you know so I, uh, so i I tried really hard. you know I had a mentor who who really believed in me, and she told me, "You're ready? send it to my agent and no, that didn't work <laughs> so that didn't work and so you know she started telling me, you know I'm so sorry, you know I think um the 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 market has changed and i'm very very sorry you know if i gave you false expectations and so that was time ago you know when i started Mm -hmm. trying to publish it and so it took eight years frankly and uh you know when you asked me that question i'm like i wonder how many rejections i got and i think it's more than a hundred i mean it's like a lot a lot and a lot yeah and so you know when um when i finally got uh um you know this offer from kindred press i had already started of course um sending to small presses and for, you know, independently from agents. And, um, and I was ready to just like, I think I'm just, I, I'm at the level that I'm going to, you know, do it myself, you know, self-publish and, um, but I'm just going to do it one last time. One more effort, you know, one Whoa. more effort. Yeah. And so that's when I got the offer and I'm like,
0: <gasps> that's the universe. I, I, yeah. I truly do believe it happens when it's meant to. And it's yeah. not about, it's about faith, persistence, yeah. and visualization, and just focused on your goal. Oh, and sure. like you said, okay, I'm going to give it one more try, and then I'm yes. going to go a different route, and that's okay, you know? Exactly. And But look yes. what happened on your last try.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, they have been wonderful. It's a lovely mm-hmm. book. It's it's really oh, so it's beautifully beautiful. made. You know, it has uh, chapter illustrations. Every chapter has one illustration. Oh, I love that about it. Yeah. If I can... Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful.
0: And yeah. um,
1: you know, so they they really you know they did it lovingly, and I just I'm so so grateful for. I that. love the font they use too. Um, I'm not yeah. I
0: don't usually uh, notice fonts. Yeah. Um, but like for example, this one with the tortuga. Um, Isn't and the font beautiful? they use. Yeah. I mean, it's just so beautifully done, and yeah. the cover and the back cover, yeah. and how they set everything up is just beautiful. It's a really nice product, and a really high high end yeah. product, and
1: you yeah. know, it's just, just interesting. Just to tell you about the font, you know, the font of the of the, you know, of the cover yeah. and also the, the font of each uh, beginning of the chapters. So here these these numbers, yeah. here, this font is called Chango and it's by a Mexican artist of the 1920s. Really? Yeah. And so they chose it for my book. You know, they're like, you know, this is this is just perfect for your book. It's Mexican. It's just lovely. And I'm like, I could not be more grateful.
0: Yeah. It was their beautiful. idea.
1: I just loved it. It's just, I was like, damn, you know.
0: <laughs> and I've never seen this font before. Isn't I was like, beautiful? oh, it's really yeah. interesting how they typeset this. Um yeah. I have a friend that's a graphic artist, my friend Mark Givens uh-huh. that runs Bamboo Dart that did my book. And he's really into that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just really noticed it with your book. I just found it interesting because I
1: don't usually notice stuff like that. Yeah, me um, neither. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. But when, but when you see something beautiful, you're like, wow, I don't know why, but this is really beautiful, right? Yeah. And like, Because yeah, I don't know anything about those things. Yeah. But I'm like, this is pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting
0: about your story, about your path to publication, and then you find this super supportive person as yeah. you know, I've done Bona, I've done Macondo, I did Bona four times, I did Macondo three times, and I was looking for a publisher during it. And I go to these publishing seminars. Yeah, you know, and everyone would tell these stories about how it happens just magically. And then it does happen magically, if you just continue to have the faith, right?
1: Exactly. Yes, don't give up. I mean, that's, I think that's my main story is just don't give up. And you know, when I was resending and resending, it's not like I was just like grabbing the thing and sending it again. I right. would just like give it a once over, or sometimes even more than that. Sometimes I revised, you mm-hmm. know, or you know, did line edits, etc. You know, so I, I worked on it a lot. And I think that by the time that she saw it, it was a much stronger piece uh, than when I started, you know. So that's the other thing, you know. Don't don't stop sending. But also, you know, like you can always improve it, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. if you have time, check it out again, and you will yeah. find something that you can make better, you know, if it, even if it's just change a word here or there. And I, and yeah. I, that's what I did. Maybe I'm a little obsessive. And so maybe this is yeah. not for everybody. But it, it, it is my opinion, you know,
0: <laughs> I 100% agree with that. You know, I mm-hmm. sent out my book so many times that when I finally found a uh, publisher and I, ha- cause my, a lot of my stories are published in standalone pieces and I had to integrate everything and get rid of the repetition. And I had a couple friends beta yeah. read it again, get rid of, I, you know, my friend Liz looked at it for repetition. I yeah. had different people look at it for stuff. I love copy editing. I caught, co- I'm an obs- OCD person. I mm-hmm. obsessively recopy copy edit. Cop- I just love it. Exactly. And uh, I love yeah. that aspect of writing, the editing yeah. part, and both my work and other people's work. And yeah, yeah. I think there's something um it's, you know, even a short story for those writers who are watching, if you're sending it out and it's not hitting, mm-hmm. just continue to revise it. Exactly. Yeah. I remember I had one story, a Synthos Review published my grandpa's house story and I had sent it to them before and mm-hmm. they had sent me an email and I never saw the email and it just said, you know, we think this has some promise. Maybe you should work on it some more. So I, Without even seeing that email, because it went to my like junk mail, uh-huh. I had revised it and sent it back out, and then they accepted it. So I think there is something to be right. said for your idea of, yeah. you know, you sent it out a hundred times, but on the hundredth time, you had looked at it a hundred times. Exactly. And it's better. It
1: is better yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, I don't believe um, that. Mm-hmm.
0: Your voice is so authentic mm-hmm. and true. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, I mean, you wrote it in both Spanish and English. Mm-hmm. Do, do, you know, we have this, you're the opposite of American dirt in the sense of you're so true and authentic. And you're writing from this, uh, well of knowledge and experience and being in Mexico mm-hmm. and also coming here, you're writing from both pers- perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel though, kind of this pressure to kind of, I don't think you do. Um, Maybe um, to write for a white audience, uh-huh. but I get writing for an American mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Probably when you're when you're looking at these perspectives, why you mm-hmm. did Spanish and English, like you mm-hmm. said, the cultural references, mm-hmm. the English puns versus because mm-hmm. my husband's Argentine, and he'll say mm-hmm. that doesn't always translate right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The jokes and sometimes uh-huh. the rhythm of Spanish. Exactly. The joke won't make sense in English. Exactly.
1: Know? That's part of what I'm saying. You know. So that's mm-hmm. why I had to you know write it yeah. differently. So I don't think about that at all. I don't think That's of great. writing for an for for a white audience. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to invite people to to go into the person's mind, into the character's yeah. mind. You know, like you know, this is this character. You know, they're crazy. They're really crazy. They're doing awful things, maybe. Yeah. And I'm gonna show you why. You know, go into yeah. their mind and see. And so um, sometimes it's hard for an American reader to do that because part of what's in the person's mind, in the character's mind, is very Mexican. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. Mexican cultural thing. And so this is hard. And so, yes, I try to invite them into to see this thing. Yeah. But if if what you mean is I'm trying to change it in order to sell it to them or no. to... Invite to 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 have more readers in in the United States. No, I don't do that. No, it's yeah. um, I just you know as many readers as I get, I'm gonna be super grateful. And if I don't get that many, oh well, you know. So it's you know. And
0: I think that's what I'm getting at. It's like yeah. you're the opposite of this concept yeah. of writing for an audience no. to yeah. sell. You're writing so that people can become immersed in it and lose themselves, like we talked about. And, um, you know, it's so beautifully done. And your voice is so true. And it feels so real that, like, again, I said, I just fell into these characters and into their world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you
0: crafted this world beautifully.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, and I just love it. And there's also, let's talk about the environmental aspect and why mm-hmm. that writing about the environment is so mm-hmm. important to you. There's a subplot in this novel about turtles mm-hmm. and how they're being mined and poached and killed. And there's new law in the book. Com- there's this uh, legal kind of issue in the book yeah. where this new law is passing. And yeah. so they're, yeah. You know, and, but there's this horrific scene where they're eating the turtle. And it's Uh-oh. like, it's horrific, right? Yeah,
1: it is horrific. Yeah. Yeah, so basically what I'm trying to do is um, I'm trying to... So it's a little bit of a historical novel because it's set in the 1990s. And so in the last half, uh, last third of the 20th, 20th century. And this particular part that you're talking about is in the 1990s. And so what happens is um, there is an international sea turtle hunting ban that goes into place in Mexico and most countries of the world in 1990. And so what the story that I'm telling in the novel is Fernanda... So the protagonist's girlfriend um, is a, a person from the CONCAC people of northwestern Mexico. And they are, you know, they, for, for all their history, they have been protectors of sea turtles.
0: Mm. That's,
1: that's who they are, you know, so that's that's their identity. And so they've been doing this, protecting them all the time. And so she is the perfect character to do the following, which is, you know, she um, she's trying to protect the turtles. She's a biologist. So she doesn't only really have ancestral knowledge; she also has scientific uh, Western knowledge. And so she's doing this thing to protect them because um, you know this is an opportunity for sea turtles to actually revive. You know, so so mm-hmm. that they, so that they're not endangered anymore. And so she's doing this thing. And so she's trying to help the the fishermen who used to hunt them. Um, because they're going to be unemployed um, because of the law, she's trying to help them turn around and find another uh, means of income. And mm. so she helps them find a way to, you know, do a business, et cetera, so that, you know, they do something sustainable instead of killing the animals. And so mm. this, this comes from actual people that I know um, who have done this. You know, sea turtle hunters became um, ecotourism guides. And they also became people who help biologists with their work to protect the turtles. Um, wow. Because the biologists know a lot, but they don't know everything. And one thing they don't know is how to find the turtles in the water. You know, so the, the fishermen do. And so they go and they find them. They they fish them out of the water, bring them to the camp where the biologists will do their, you know, they're investigating and they're, you know, like they do them, you know, they they give them a, a physical and you know make sure that they're healthy and you know give them some you know CPR or whatever is needed mm-hmm. to be done, you know, they, they take care of them, et cetera. So this is something that is happening in Mexico. And so it inspired me to create this character. And, and why exciting. was I doing that? Because I am very interested in the topic, but also because um I wanted to to have something very clear to explain why I care that the beaches in a place like Mazatlán don't get just destroyed by tourism. You know, it's very important. This is their habitat. You know, this is a sea turtle habitat, uh, or it used to be, you know. And, um, and, you know, we have to leave them some (laughs) so that they can continue to reproduce because no matter how much it's uh, forbidden to hunt them, if they don't have a place to reproduce, they're not going to, you know. So I was just trying to convey all these ideas through something that, Makes sense to readers, you know, and so there's plenty of stories about that,
0: yeah, and it's beautifully done. And then you have that intersection, yeah, of the population that's making that used to, you know, fish for fish and mm-hmm. you know, sell, yeah. and they're having to get micro loans and do uh new business plans to create new businesses such as face creams or whatever exactly. it is, exactly, yeah. That idea that you can be sustainable and still mm-hmm. make a living, but mm-hmm. that they need assistance to do that, right? Because yeah. yeah. this was their livelihood. Exactly. And yeah. what do you and need you to take that away from them, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's complicated. And they, it's it complicated. is very complicated. Yeah. It is very because you know, it's not like they were making millions. They were just subsisting, right? right? When they were fishing for the turtles. And by the way, why were they fishing for the turtles? Well, because it was uh it was food for Mexicans, you know, mm-hmm. it's like You know, you may eat chicken or fish or, you know, like whatever, um, you know, if you're not a vegetarian, you're eating an animal. And if you're eating, you know, so that's that's more or less what was happening here. And um, and and they so they had to change and do something different. And so, you know, this subsisting subsistence. Um, activity that they used to have goes away. They have to find another way, and you know, you don't have money to invest. How are you going to create a business, right? Yeah. And so they need loans. They need they need they need help because they never have had enough um, economic independence. You know. So yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I would argue that the book really is about economics because mm-hmm. we also have this character Mariana who grew mm-hmm. up very privileged. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of secrets she doesn't know, and you find those mm-hmm. out later. We're not going to give those away. But there's also this concept of her and her family owning all this land, selling, should they sell, sell to a developer, what are they going to do with it? And all these concepts that revolve around money.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the the way it is. I mean, Mexico is a country that lives from tourism. Mm -hmm. It's one of its most important means of income. You know, there's others like oil and, you know, and, uh, you know, remittances from the United States, you know, there's, there's many different, you know, we have things that we sell and one of the things that we sell is the beach, you know, we sell the beach, we sell it to developers and the developers make hotels and then those hotels sell the beach to the tourists, right? And like, well, they rent it, right? Like, okay, you can be here for a week and, you know, pay, pay me a lot of money, And that's what we do, you know, you know, that's that's income for Mexico. And uh, and that it,
0: idea of that, the, the local population is still legally because you make this very clear in your novel, mm-hmm. um, allowed to be on the beach. But there's a lot of like stigma and a lot of like just um, I guess you'd say their own where they feel like they can't,
1: exactly. even though
0: legally they're allowed. Yeah. They yeah. don't you they don't assert their right to be allowed there.
1: No, they're not welcome, you know? Right, so you're you right. Go to a, yeah, if you go to a fancy hotel, you know, so the law says as follows. Um, if you build on the beach, your the, the land doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Mexican people. And so you have to lease it. You right. can't own it. You own the building and you everything on it, but not the land. And so right. then... And the other thing that you have to do is you have to create a passageway. So an access, a public access to your beach that is not really yours because you're only renting it. Um, so that anyone like you and me, and if you don't have any money or anyone should be able to go onto that beach because it belongs to the Mexican people, yeah. right? Uh, well, that's in theory, but in practice, they have lots of way, you know, they have all kinds of microaggressions they are excellent at that. And so they're, they're just very hostile. To people who don't look the part, you know, depending on how fancy the hotel is, they're more hostile to poor people. And so, um, so no, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a very different way of asserting ownership over this, you know, so, you know, in the States, it's private property, period. But in Mexico, it's not private, but they know how to do it anyway. They know. It's pseudo private, right?
0: Yeah, pseudo private. It'd be like if someone built a beach where I used to go when I was a kid on 15th Mm -hmm. and Newport, which is a public beach, right? Mm -hmm. Uh And they put a a fancy hotel there. And they put all these gates and all these people standing there. But technically, people are allowed in would they really go in? I don't know. Uh-huh. Not exactly. the
1: blue-collar kids that we were. We would never think we'd be allowed in. Exactly. You know? so, so you kind yeah. of know, you know, they're not going to be nice to us. And so yeah. why, why try it, no? For something.
0: So interesting. You do a really nice job as well as laying out the legal issues yeah. in this book. You know, we have the statute about the poaching that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, we're, we're going to have to start enforcing this. You mm-hmm. have the law about the uh, beaches in Mexico that I wasn't aware of. I just, I thought it's fascinating that there was the, also these legal Undercurrents, and then developing and the legal aspects of that that are running through the novel. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's, I I find it fascinating because you know when I come to Mexico because of of course I live over there and I'm like I see this problem. I wonder if there's a law that protects this thing, you know? And so then they tell me, well, there is, but it doesn't work very well. Or yes, but they don't really enforce it. Or yes, you know, we're we're working on that. And so not everything is bad in Mexico, you know. I was just hearing today that. It's, uh, it's forbidden to smoke in public places, even if the public place is the street, you cannot, you, you cannot smoke outside. In Mexico? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's Mexico, but it's here in Mazatlán. So oh, wow. you don't see anybody smoking outside. You can't smoke on the beach. You can smoke on the street. So, so you can only smoke inside your house? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think so. Yeah. So I was like, no wonder, you know, because I haven't seen people smoke anymore. And I'm like, that's why. So, you know, so not everything is bad, you know, uh, there are some protections, um, yeah. but they're, you know, they're here or missed. you know, they're like, it's a patchwork. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, you did an MFA program. How was mm-hmm. that experience?
1: It was great. I loved it. I was so, so grateful to be able to do it. Uh, so because I was teaching, at, you know, I, I've been teaching for a long time. And so I was teaching, I had my regular job yeah. and the MFA is a low residency program. So that means you know you do ten days um, of, you of do residency. It at? I did it in the solstice program in uh, in Boston. Oh, Indiana awesome! College. Yeah, it was great. And so you know you do your ten days and then uh, of of residency is super intensive, and then you go home with a lot of homework and you do your home semesters homework at home. And so that that allowed me to do the you know to work while I was doing the MFA. And it took me a lot longer. So instead of two years, which is normal, it took me. I think three or three and a half years to finish it because I had to go slow because, you know, my job is kind of, yeah. kind of crazy, you know, but but I did it and it was wonderful and my mentors were amazing and my, you know, fellow students as well. So I I so much recommend it. It's just wonderful. So free. that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah I'd I love to hear about good experiences. You know, yeah. I'm in a low res program. I'm on the six year plan. I'm taking one class at a time. It's yes. basically, it's not a, it's not your typical low res. It's an mm-hmm. online program at okay. in New Orleans, um, at University of New Orleans. It's right. all online. It's mm-hmm. not hybrid. It's asynchronous online mm-hmm. Moodle. And I really like that. Um, yeah. It works for me. It's one class a semester. Exactly. I can take two maybe if I have time next semester. But I love people, you know, because we always hear about the horror stories. Yes. And yeah, I'm, I'm not discounting those. But like, I had a really good experience. But I was, I'm also older. I was mm-hmm. 49 when I started my MFA. Mm-hmm. So if I had a young kid in my class that said, oh, that doesn't sound authentic. And I'm like, it's memoir, dipshit. Like I didn't really care what he had to say. I would just throw it away with the trash. But if I had someone that had something really valid to say, one of my exactly. professors basically gave me this whole idea about Don Quixote in my book, uh-huh. about my dad being Don Quixote, I used that. So, I mean, it just depends. You can t- if, if you're older and mature, I think you can take
1: exactly
0: what you need from it and throw exactly. it the rest away.
1: That's, right? that's exactly how I did it as well. You know, yeah. uh, not everything is useful to you, right? And so you have right. to be selective. You know, this is just just, just the, the way you said, you know, there are things that make sense. And there are also, also people who, no matter how, you know, they have good intentions, they don't understand your project. They just yeah. don't, you know, and so they're telling you to go in this direction, but your project is in this other direction. And and that's that, you know, there's nothing you can do. So yeah. As long as you can, you know, do that clearly, you know, and because I remember, you know, there there were some dramatic moments, you know, it didn't happen to me. I was lucky, but I had classmates who who didn't always have an easy time. And, you know, sometimes yeah. they would burst into tears and stuff like that. And it was it was very painful. I mean, I could see that it was painful to them. Um, but they went they went along anyway. And, you know, the person that I'm thinking of, you know, got a, an amazing award for her novel it is not a problem it's wow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not a problem
0: yeah, yeah. and yeah. so yeah i i really like hearing like a positive reason yeah. for taking an mfa oh, and yeah. um talk about your main influences in your favorite writers who like who really influences you
1: yeah i i i'm very hodgepodge really And, like so many different things so you know for example i um When I did my Latin American PhD, you know, it was the canon, right? You know, the Latin American Mm -hmm. canon. And those Mm -hmm. books, you know, they really are like inside my brain. I can't get them out. And I love them. And so, for example, García Márquez, Cortázar, Mm. you know, Octavio Paz. And, you know, it's really funny because most of them are men, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's great and all, but come on, how about the women? And so, you know, like later in my life, I have been reading so many women because, you know, we need, you know, we need to be read. (laughs) And so Sarah Waters, I love her from England, you know, so I, you know, I needed to find a way to create my lgbt voice you know oh, beautiful and so you know she's she's amazing i love her any book of hers that you pick up you're gonna love anybody will love they're just beautiful and they're historical novels as well which i love so you know uh so sarah waters Carolina Robertis. yeah so she's yeah. great sarah waters she's from england And Carolina de Robertis, Carolina de Robertis or something, she is Uruguayan-American and she writes in English and she also is a historical novelist. And so she writes, for example, The Gods of Tango. So she writes a history of tango with a queer perspective. It's awesome. I got to get that too. The whole you'll Argentine thing. I love stuff about Tango. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, It's beautiful. And, you know, all her books, I've read them all. They're all amazing. Yeah. They're really, really great. But that's, you know, if you want to, like, which one should I start with? I think that one is just yeah. beautiful. Well, I and
0: it. I really love how you talk about finding your LGBTQ mm-hmm. or your LGBT voice yeah. because, you know, this idea of writing as an act of resistance in itself, mm-hmm. Yeah, which, um, my memoir really isn't that, but my book about being a public defender is I want to read that I haven't yeah read it I'll send it yeah. to you because I'm gonna send you a cup and um oh. and I really think that you honing that voice mm-hmm. and the fact that you write in both Spanish and English mm-hmm. the fact that you live in both Mexico and the United States. Yeah. You're not only educating and opening up minds in one country, you're opening minds up in two countries and within different generations in two countries.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um it's um and it's just beautiful to see when that happens, you know, like I, yeah. you know, when sometimes I do a public reading and you can see people, you know, like, oh, you know, it's just um it's just wonderful. And if they're young, if they're young yeah. people, it's like, it's just like a gift. You know? yeah so yeah. it's really it's so much worth it you know because I mean it it was hard for me to find this voice because I don't think I had enough readings of lgbt narrative back then right. when I was starting to write the novel and I'm like oh I need I need a crash course here I need to really yeah. educate myself and I did and uh, I was thankful to find many good writers and and, and to create my own voice uh, after having, you know, like you, you let this all wash into your mind and then, then you put it aside and now who am I? You know, I am this other person who writes differently, but I was educated by them, you know, by those readings. And, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And, you know, it's important because a lot of people need those stories. You know, yeah. they, you know, we still live in a world, unfortunately, that there's not enough you know that there's not yeah. enough access to knowledge about lgbt people and you never know whether this kid here or that kid there yeah. needs that because they might be lgbt and maybe maybe they don't even know it you know so it's really yeah. important really important
0: yeah benjamin science who's uh Wrote um, a couple books. Aristotle, Aristotle and Dante take over the universe. One of my favorite novels ever mm-hmm. is a young adult novel about um, a love story between the two boys, uh-huh. and it really, um, it really spoke to me because I really think kids need to see those love stories. Exactly. It's like me when I was young, and mm-hmm. I had never read a story about a Latina. Uh-huh. in, you know, growing up. And then I read Cisneros and I was like, uh-huh. oh, okay. okay. And she wrote in vignettes. I love yeah. writing in, you know, short little pieces and beautiful.
1: Yeah. It just
0: gives you that, um, it, it creates that seed, that germination that you can build on your own voice from.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I see it as well. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. then poetry, you know, like Claudia Rankine, I just Oh yes. Oh my gosh. What a goddess. I mean, I just love her. Uh, And, you know, somebody who speaks the truth, you know, puts it right on your face. And it's kind of painful, you know, but it's just so, uh, it's a gift to be able to see the things, you know? Yeah. Just amazing.
0: Well, Victoria Waddle had a question. She said, please clarify for me. Is the novel in English and Spanish in one book or is it published in English and also published in Spanish? She's taking Spanish lessons. Kind of answer a question if you don't mind.
1: Okay, of course not, and uh, of course I don't mind. It's in English, uh, titled "Arribada," and in Spanish, titled "Limonaria." Yeah, so two different books, uh, each of them in one language. Uh-huh. You should get both, it, and if
0: I think it would be, re- we were just talking about how it would be mm-hmm. really interesting for because she used a different technique
1: in each book to kind of read both. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you can do that because I would, and if you do, and if you don't mind. Letting me know how it went, I would just love to hear that. Uh, and, I, uh, I love to hear, uh, you know, to have a conversation with readers. I just love that.
0: Yeah, yeah and Victoria writes beautiful reviews on her blog, um, oh, wow. Library School Library Lady, and um, she's coming out with her own book. She has a book, Acts of Contrition, that came out um, last year with uh-huh. – um, uh, and then she has a book about grieving about pets, about dogs oh, uh, wow. coming out this year with Bamboo Dark. Mm-hmm. So Victoria is coming on the podcast um, season four this summer. So, awesome. uh, yeah. So I've known yeah. Victoria for years. She knows my twin, too, Mahimela. So um, I, I, I didn't tell you about this question. But the thing I just wondered, you know, you wrote this postscript, mm-hmm. um, which kind of talks, which I love, that has mm-hmm. the intersections between your real life. History in
1: the book. Have you thought about writing a memoir? I have. I have. It's so hard. One day I will probably. I have. uh, I have a number of chapters already. Oh, I would love to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, I do have, uh, but it's 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 hard. It's just really hard for me to do because um, there are so many secrets in my family that I would know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they're secrets and I have to respect the people who participated in them, you know? Yeah. And so it's it's yeah. a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Frank
0: McCourt wrote Angel's Ashes when he uh-huh. was uh, exactly. almost a senior citizen. And mm-hmm. I think that's why, yes. you know, and he got a lot of flack. He would go back to Limerick and they would throw stuff at him. Okay. And I visited Ireland and, uh, and stayed in his neighbor's house in oh. Airbnb in, in Limerick. Wow. And they, the guy was still mad at him. And it was like really? 20 years later. Oh, my I come, God. Or 15 years later. I can't believe it. And, yeah, <laughs> I think there's something about memoir where you can't disguise it. Mm-hmm. That said, I think you can choose to tell the stories you choose to tell.
1: Yeah. I left mm-hmm.
0: a lot out or cut a lot out of my book at mm-hmm. the very last minute. And I'm glad exactly. I did. I'm glad I left the stories in. And exactly. I'm glad I took out what I took out. Exactly. Um, tell my readers. And then we're going to have you do another reading to close this out. I want... Um, the watchers and the viewers and the, the people who are watching to know about your next book. Uh-huh. Um, we also have a link to her website, EstelaGonzalez.net. Go to that to get her books. Yeah. Go to the Kirkus Review. Um, look that up. It does a really nice job of kindly laying out her book. And tell people what's next on the horizon for you and how they can find you.
1: Sure. So right now I'm writing a historical novel about Mazatlan. So the same town that I wrote about in this novel um, but uh, this one is historical really from the beginning. So, you know, Mazatlan is a, it's a city that was built in the 19th century. Um, so it's kind of like a little more than 200 years old. But before that, people used to live here too. So that's what I'm trying to do. But what it is, it's a ghost story. It's a ghost novel about gay people. So it's like gay ghost story, and it's gothic. Love it. Love <laughs> yeah, it's really, and it's fun. It's, um, you know, this book is a little... You know, it it addresses a lot of problems. So it's not always a happy book. That other one, the new one, is much more uh, lighthearted and cheerful. So the character, uh, the main character is a girl who is 18 years old and she does parkour. You know, she climbs on buildings in in the 21st century. And so she goes to Mazatlan or she comes here to do um, a competition of parkour. And while she's, you know, climbing buildings, magical things happen and what happens is she goes back in town in, in oh. time yeah so she meets all kinds of people who are kind of ghosts you know they, they the ghosts live in the houses uh they're ghosts but they're in the past and so she goes into the past to to, to hear to, to see these uh events happening um, so that's what's going on. It's just some magical it's fun. realism, gothic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Really cool. And
0: redefining the, you know, the genre narrative uh-huh. stuff, exactly. making it gay ghosts, and I exactly. love that idea. Exactly. And, you know, I, I forgot to tell you, my mom's family is from Mazaklan. No, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'll ask her more information, see if I can get any more information from her oh, about that, it. That's so amazing. Yeah, we've only been there once together when we did, like, this cruise, me and my yeah. twin sister and my mom. Uh, yeah. a cruise, And we stopped in Mazatlan, but we did all the touristy shit. Yeah, like went on the pirate ship, and I almost I got drunk and almost missed the boat.
1: It's
0: a fun place to be. Oh, I loved it. It's a really pretty city too. Yeah, the cobblestones. Mm -hmm. Um, it was when they were doing the parade for the uh, Virgin de Guadalupe at the time, Uh and it was just beautiful. I just remember just being stunned by the pure beauty of it. Yes, the pure beauty of it. It was just. Stunning, yeah. So, it's probably the prettiest city I've been to in Mexico. I've been yeah. to Rosita and Mazatlan, and a couple other places, but that yeah, was pretty. Really beautiful.
1: So talking about that, you know, where you were talking about the postscript in the in the yeah. in the book. Um, you know, so so that uh, the the way that they abandoned their their historic center in the nineteen nineties mm-hmm. or eighties, actually, that stopped and reversed. You know, wow. so right now they have rebuilt it and it's beautiful it's really really lovely so you know all the things that i you know the problems that i talk about some of them have been resolved in mazatlan and so it's just really nice to know good news right um, yeah. so that's about the buildings and about the beaches yeah you know <laughs> yeah Not yet. Not yet. They should they should work a little more on that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well,
0: I'd love you to read another short piece if you could. Um, I just want to tell everyone um, she's going to read us out. I want to tell everyone that um, I'll be reading with Peter Churches and Dennis Colacci at Beyond Baroque on April 20th a Thursday at 8 p.m. um, And at AWP in Seattle. Are you going to Seattle? Are you going to AWP? I can. not Next time. Oh, um, it's going to yeah. be in Kansas city next year. Um, and that, um, I have my next episode will be with me Who's one of my favorite writers. Who's going to be here on February 1st. So check us out on February 1st. Awesome. Um, she's a literary coach. She has multiple books, including a beautiful book called leaving India. She was wow. one of our professors in Vona. So please everyone come on February yeah. 1st and watch her live with me. But so, um, Please read. Yes. Oh, I can't wait we'll to hear you read more. And if you Thank want to give some context, feel free, um, read as long as you want, and then we'll come back in and say bye to everyone. Okay, Perfect. so i put the camera okay. on
1: you. I will do that. Okay, so I'm going to read um, towards the end of the book. So it's almost uh, the last few pages, uh, almost the last few pages. And so uh, what has happened is Mariana and Fernanda have been uh, working to protect sea turtles, and this is one of those um, – moments that they have been doing this. And at the end, they do this. Uh, this work is all night long. You know, they, they take care of the nesting sea turtles. And the, days, uh, the night, uh, night shift is over and they are taking a break. And so that's what's going on. And a lot of things have happened. And um, so you'll see a little bit of influence of what has been happening. After our colleagues left, we walked toward the water and took off our shorts and shirts. This time we all wore bathing suits. I had brought snorkeling gear. I pointed toward a wind-carved promontory. I hear the reef around that point is full of sponges, I said. I bet we'll find a hawksbill there, huh? What do you think? I spat into a mask and rubbed it with seawater and offered it to Fernanda. Ready, love? I'm tired, she said. She yawned as she undid her braid and plopped on her back in the water arms extending from her sides. Her hair floated straight in all directions, forming a circle like a huge, soft sea urchin. Very, very long hair. I just want to float and drift, she said. Come on, party pooper. What if we find a sea turtle? Fernanda stretched her limbs. Okay, but let's make it short. So she's super tired. I'm going to skip a bit. The sky was rosy in the east. We coasted the first cove, swung around the point, and passed a coral cemetery where the water was warm and dead. White coral, no sponges, no fish, no snails, an underwater silence, piles of skeletons like a wet Chernobyl. No bubbles, no pops or snaps, no sand waterfalls. We passed the sickly ruins as quickly as we could and again found cool water and schools of fish in agate, cobalt, mango yellow. Holding hands, Fernanda and I sought the sponge and anemone forest where the hawksbill might feed. An octopus littered on the coral, and Fernanda picked it up. It wrapped its tentacles around her arm and poked her ear, made us laugh underwater. Then he tried to catch our bubbles. When she put him down, she showed me the purple marks of many suction cups. Then everything changed. The sea turned dark, and as though a cloud had covered the sun, but the cloud was in the water and it enveloped us. Then it pulverized. Every tiny section turned toward the sun and became millions of mirrors. It was a school of fish A glittering cloud, dense as a net, blanketing us in its nimble progression. I circled Fernanda's waist. Our bodies rubbed gently as we swam with one arm each. Around us, an entourage of shooting stars, eddies upon sparkling eddies, making more smaller eddies, and those more. They were showing us the way. We followed them along the coast. I pulled Fernanda gently along. We slowed down. And the fish did too. Fernanda came to the surface, took her mask off, and yawned. I can't. I'll see you on shore, love. I took my mask off too. I held her and kissed her like the first time. We stopped moving for a moment and we dipped, kissing underwater. Around us, the fish made a circle of light. Then Fernanda swam away, and the silver cloud parted, some going with her. As I went around the point, the other cloud followed me. In the ocean, we were always together. I swam through the river of light. A black and gold moray eel flashed her needle-like teeth, then retreated into her den. And then I caught my breath. There uh, rushed the sea turtle. Lost in the dance of silver, Golfina flew her fins like wings entangling dainty fish in her turbulence. She browsed the coral, unconcerned with the glittering sea, or with me. I came up, Fernanda, the turtle. I listened for her. I heard the breeze. With her shining entourage, the turtle coasted toward open sea. One stroke of her graceful fins took her farther than many of my kicks. I swam. I followed the golfina, the turtle and the fish followed me. I looked. Fernanda had to be somewhere. I swam around the boulder into a small valley of sand and grasses surrounded by rocks and coral. The cloud of fish led me to long, black strands of seagrass floating from the floor five feet below. I dove to reach the source of the caressing strands. The fish parted in whirlpools of light. A scream grew inside me, on the bed of swaying grass, Fernanda rested. Her gaze penetrated my heart. Thank you, and that's that.
0: So beautiful! Oh Thank my you. gosh, I got really emotional. There, oh. you, there's that paragraph where you say, "Around us, the fish made a circle of light." Yeah. Um. It's 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 very metaphorical in many ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Like, just let go and just follow each other and, like, just be in love. Yeah. It's it's a real,
1: you know, let go and trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And you'll find the way, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of The Alchemist, which is one of my favorite books. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Just about um, trusting your instinct and Mm -hmm. your intuition and, you know, what's important. Love. Exactly. Yeah. It's the work around, exactly. as the Beatles would say, it's all you need. That's so, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for so much for being on my show. I'm so you honored. So You're oh, amazing. Thank you, Juanita. I I, I am so happy to have had this opportunity. You know, it's just been so wonderful to talk to you and, you know, to share this thing with your readers and your viewers and I, I just want to thank everybody and you to, you know, for having been here and uh, listening to my stories. And I hope you read more. <laughs>
0: yeah. Buy her books, both in Spanish and English. Yes, Two different versions. Yes. and Liminera, uh, Liminera. Um, And please have a great day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thank you so much. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye.
1: Bye.